Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached. When I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom, I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 382, Playing the Game with Andy Cantrell. And I am your co-host, and the guy who eliminated a nest and poult predator this weekend. And I am your co-host and the guy who filled his quail quota this weekend. All right. Yes, sir. I heard, I heard what, you shot 64,298 quail. Yeah. No, not not quite. Uh, I refrained from carrying a gun all season, and I decided to take one the last day of season, and I took my one bird for the year. So there you go. <laughs> I have, that's three years in a row I've shot one shell. I've killed one bird, and so three for three on that, and that's all I've done. I just we've just about got them back to a pretty good stable population, so I may in the future take a few more, but I just figure give them a couple more years to get things rolling out there, and then we'll start actually hunting them. But it was fun. We found two really big coveys on the last day of season, and I I didn't even shoot into the covey. I shot a single bird 
out of the covey after they had already risen and everything. Yeah, that's cool. But it's, yeah, man, it's, you know, a lot of folks growing up in the southeast these days aren't going to know the thrill of walking into a wild covey of birds. Yeah. So it, it, we got one farm. I'll be the fifth generation to manage that farm for quail. So we still got them. We got nine coveys out there this year. Excellent. Yeah, I think you sent me a picture of your your yes. furry friend. I, I did send you that. So one of my nephews wanted to come over and stay with me and Tammy over the weekend. So he did that, and I took him predator hunting Saturday morning. We right. set with the a predator, call? Yeah, set the predator collar down, backed up, I don't know, 30 yards from it. He had black death with some number four buckshot in it. And All right. I had a 30 alt six. And so we had that collar running for maybe five minutes. And I noticed him movement out of the corner of my eye coming down the road. I'm sitting on the opposite side of the tree from him. He's got a better shot at where the collar is. And we're up on a hill top. So, you know, you can pretty much one of those deals. You just kind of sit back to back on the tree and whoever gets shot gets shot. Well, the mm-hmm. old man got a shot. And that's the first fox that i've ever killed so really yeah so beautiful i've never killed one you saw the picture i mean just absolutely gorgeous yeah yeah so i was pumped up i shot the gun well so here's the deal fox comes trotting up there gets about 20 yards from me there's some small pine trees between me and him my scope on the rifle is basically still set the same way as it was when I was deer hunting. It's on eight power. And at mm-hmm. 20 yards, a very small target like a fox on an eight power <laughs> is a bit much. So I back the scope down. At this point, he's looking at me moving. He just sees the movement. Obviously, I'm in full camo. And click the safety off. Crosshairs, he's facing me. Crosshairs right on the throat. Click. Are you freaking mm. kidding me? I was so concerned <laughs> with getting my nephew set up, I didn't even load my dang rifle. So <laughs> I'm thinking, well, there goes my shot at killing a fox, and he's not going to believe I saw anything because he's sitting on the opposite side of the tree from me. He doesn't have a clue that I've, you know, other than hearing the click, he hasn't. He doesn't have a clue that I've seen anything. But I lift the bolt up, rack a shell in there, close the bolt, crosshairs on his throat he took i mean a tenth of a step to my right which helped him step into a little bit of an opening and boom it was over so man he sure yeah. was what a pretty critter i mean that that is i haven't seen i've never killed a fox i've never even gotten to examine one up close you know so that's yeah. that's pretty neat yeah so it was and, was it Dr. Goolsby said? Didn't Dr. Goolsby, when he was on here, say that nest study they did, the fox was one of the worst ones on them? Yeah, you know, I remember him mentioning foxes, but I don't remember mentioning how far up that chain they were. But, you know, I can't imagine a fox doing really any damage to a grown turkey. But the other thing, too, I'll, I'll note about those nest studies, and Mike Chamberlain, mention this you know when you're not using real turkey nests a real hen yeah with a hen sitting on it that's going to defend the nest to a point then you know those studies can be those nest predator studies can be a little bit skewed but still hey if you you know i i I don't know i just think that 
to a point, even a hen guarding a nest is going to leave when what's trying to get the eggs has teeth. So, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I can, I can I'm see not that. justifying <laughs> killing the fox to anyone listening to this show because I don't have to. I've never killed one. My first one. I'm excited about it. If you don't like it, well, too late. <laughs> oh, well. I mean, no, he absolutely would predate a nest. I'm confident in that if the opportunity yeah. presented itself. So that yeah, that's no a doubt. good good kill. Absolutely beautiful critter. Good to see him. I uh, I finished the month of February on my save the pulse count at 37. So things Man, yeah escalated into the end of the month. That's a good. <laughs> that was a good month right there. Yeah, 28 well, raccoons, eight possums and one boone and crockett rat that was a boone and crockett rat no <laughs> doubt about that but yeah 37 that's pretty strong that that's is strong, strong. Got 20 of them came off of 100 acres so that's one predator per five acres yeah that that's that's no bueno i, I don't know how a hen could ever not be smelled by a nose when there's one every five acres you know yeah. so <laughs> it would be tough on her but yeah i had a great month of trapping and that was that so the stage is set awesome well speaking of setting the stage there will be an act being performed on that stage in 22 days nine hours 39 minutes and four seconds Oof. and i'm not going to go into detail on this i'm just going to say it i'll be cranking up in seven days nine hours and 13 minutes and Bingo. that's going to be that, but All right. the schedule has moved up for Mr. Weddington, so I'll be hunting next week. <laughs> Excellent, man. That's awesome. I wish you a lot of luck. Yeah, hard so. to believe, but we'll, we'll see what happens. It'll be a worst-case scenario. I'll be better prepared for when season comes in on a daily basis. I'll get more. The more practice on the front end, the better. Yeah, zero doubt about that. Yep. Awesome. We have a cool interview today with... A very cool guy. You know, I'm of the opinion that you can never have too many Andes in your life. <laughs> so, we're going to introduce another Andy to you guys today on the show. An Andy Kentrell. Yeah, I got, I got ganged up. Yeah. Two, yeah. Two Andes on one call is tough for, for me to handle, but I made it through. Yeah, exactly. So, Andy Cantrell is an author. And a well-known turkey hunter from a well-known turkey hunting family in Mississippi. And he's written two books to date that have been published. One of them yeah. is what we titled this show, Playing the Game. That's the title of his yeah. second book. His newest one. Yep. And I recently finished it. Thought it was very good. It has one of the best chapters I've ever read in a turkey hunting book in it. It it spoke to me. And you wow, know you got may not, to my attention. Yeah, and it may not speak to every one of you guys, but it speaks to me. It it really kind of keyed in on, you know, things that if you stop and you think about it are really pretty cool. And we talk about that some in the interview. And then Andy's first book Paying Your Dues is another very good book. You know, his books, Cameron, what I like about them, and you and I have talked about it, and I think we even talk about it in the interview, is that they're just written the way that he talks. And, you know, they're very yeah, conversational I mean, style. Just telling you a story, you know. 
I like how his stories are concise. It's a book that you're not reading for months on end, you know, that kind of drags out. It's pretty just really good, entertaining stories, and you'll read it fast because it's readable and entertaining and relatable. And so I really enjoyed that first book. I, I can't wait to read a second one. Yeah. Well, cool. What do you say we jump in the interview? Yeah, absolutely. We'll see you guys on the other side. Hey, Andy's. Right. Hey, Cameron, how are you today? Doing good. Got two Andy's good. and one Cameron on the phone. I like it. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. You can never have too much Andy. That's all I can say. <laughs> that, I, I agree. I agree. No doubt. <laughs> Andy, when I met you over at March last year, I said, that, that guy's got to be a winner right there. With That's that right. Man. That's right. <laughs> have you ever met an Andy that's a butthole? I can't say that I have. Yeah. I've met two of them, actually. I mean, uh... You know I am. <laughs> but you know, you know me pretty well. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. That's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank y'all for allowing me to be part of the program. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we're excited okay. to have you on, man. I sure appreciate you joining us. I have yet to read your second book. But I read your first one, and we talked on the phone. I don't know if you remember that, but we talked for a while. Yeah. Well, it was the first one was really good. So I hadn't I hadn't gotten the second one yet. I'm on Earl Mickles' book right now when I got yours in the mail. So. Okay, great, great. Well, good deal. You know, I I'm just kind of surprised, Cameron. That you know, I I guess there's a lot of people that just like to read about a, a Mississippi redneck who loves to hunt turkeys. I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> yeah. Well. You're right, and at the right time, there's a lot more turkey hunters now and a lot more people looking for information. That, so. That's true. This is true. No <laughs> doubt. It's just it's changed so much. You know, going back probably into the mid-'80s, I, I mean, there has been so much change, not only in, you know, the, the numbers of people that hunt turkeys now, but just the, the advances in technology and all in, in terms of the sport. It, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is. I Interestingly enough, I was on the phone with a fellow this morning. It's actually Jack Dudley, if that name is familiar to you, his grandson. Yes, and yes, he, sir. without me prompting anything, I didn't even say we were talking to you today. He's like, Yeah, I just picked up a book at my local library. It's, uh, and he named your book. And I was like, Well, we're talking to him tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, is that what are the odds of that? Well, good. <laughs> Well, good, good deal. I, I'm telling you, it, this project has been so much fun. Uh, you know, it's 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 going back through so many memories and all. Uh, I'll, I'll just say this between us turkey hunters right here. You know, you might forget a, a third cousin's spouse's name at a, at a family reunion, but you never forget where you you killed or, or messed up on a wild turkey. You know that area. You just never forget that. Is that is that a fair statement? That is fact. I think it's a hundred percent true. Yes, <laughs> especially especially you. the ones you mess up. Oh yeah, you may yes. you may forget about it, but all of a sudden, on a hot August night, you jump up out of bed just in a cold sweat and just realize you missed that sob again. <laughs> <laughs> missed him again. How did you miss him the second time? What happened? I mean, yeah. why was, as my dad always says, Andy, there's a certain point where the blood leaves your head and it goes to your rear end and, and a miss is inevitable. You're just going to miss the turkey. It's just going to happen. I mean, the rear end takes over your thinking and it's just going to happen. You're just going to miss it. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. It's just, it's, it's going to happen. 
I was getting up one morning to go deer hunting this year, uh, and right before the alarm clock was going off, I was in Missouri just about to kill one of those big, I, I looked like a 30-pound Eastern, you know. I was just about to kill him, and my alarm clock went off. I was so mad, I almost didn't go deer hunting that morning. I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, I was so close to killing him. He was, he was strutting into gun range right there, and uh, the alarm clock went off. That, uh, that's a, that's a good sticking. dream. It just ended too soon. <laughs> that's correct. That's correct. I'm that, telling you. That's awesome. Uh, that's awesome. No doubt. Well, you know, I would normally do an intro, but I, I'm, I'm just going to tell everybody that we have Andy Cantrell with us today, and Andy's been kind enough to come on the show with us. He's actually written two books. One of them is called Paying Your Dues, A Lifetime of Memories from a Mississippi Turkey Hunter. And the other is Playing the Game, Hunting Suspicious Gobblers Who Ignore All the Rules. And so we're just tickled to have Andy come on and just talk turkey with us today. And towards the end of the interview, I'm going to let Andy give us a little announcement that he's got a little special deal for you guys. But we just want to get him on and chat with him. I met Andy at a local sporting goods store in Birmingham. Was it 20? It was 2021 or 2020? Andy, do you remember? It's going to be uh, 2021 in March of 2021. Okay. It's when we met right there. Yeah. Sure was. And I bought his first book there and read that one. And, you know, I've told a couple of people this, I think on the show, but I know I've told more than a couple of people this in real life. What I like about your writing is it's going to be very similar to this conversation we're going to have today because you write like you speak and, you know, you're not throwing $400 words in, you know, every fifth sentence just to, to, you know, show that you know how to use a thesaurus and... (laughs) It's just conversational style writing, and it's just like we got you sitting by the campfire at the hunting camp telling stories, and, man, it just doesn't get any better than that, in my opinion. You know, Andy and Cameron, I I was blessed. I I learned to turkey hunt. There was three guys. They were all older. I was in my teens. I was probably 13 or 14, and when we opened up a turkey season in Monroe County in the mid-'80s, I learned from those guys. I called them the old school in my book. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way I, I learned was listening to them. And my dad, of course, he's a retired game warden and made calls for years, but he didn't, you know, as the name fits, they were all old school. They just didn't believe you, you go out and you call up a turkey for somebody to execute and, and that's it. They didn't they didn't believe in that. They they believed in if you want to learn the sport, the real mystique of a wild turkey and, and all about it was you get out there and, you, you know, here's a call, here's a gun, here's some shells, go figure it out because the wild turkey will, will teach you more than, than any human can. My dad would tell me, he said, there's no way I can teach you what a turkey can and will do to you. He said, there's no way. And I know you two can draw from those experiences in your past. You know, how, how did that turkey disappear? I mean, what what happened? Uh, you know, and I mean, I know y'all have examples of that. Just how one just evaporates, and he was right there. Oh yeah, uh, like he crawled in a hole or something. I have I've sat there for a half hour, still aiming my gun with the belief that he's there, and and he's <laughs> not. You know, like you just can't believe that he's not there. But like, you know, he's not, but you just can't believe it because I, I don't know what they do. 
know, uh, uh, it's 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 unreal, and, and I don't know. I guess what gets me is their their brain's so small, but their survivability is just unreal. You you guys, you know, you're sitting there, you've gone out, you've done everything right, you got to your listening spot, everything is going really well. Turkey gobbles. You get in there, you set up, you make the right setup. You love your setup. Um, you know, you say just a little bit to him on the limb just to make sure, you know, get his attention right there. He cuts you off, double gobbles. He's tearing it up. He pitches down. He walks up there to just out of gun range. You have not said another word, and he stops, and he fixes both wings, and he turns around and walks off. Mm -hmm. That should never happen, but it does. I mean, he, uh, I mean, what has happened right there? Is it his sixth? sense to survive I, I i don't know it's just that's amazing to me right there and it's happened i don't know how many times over the past 37 years yeah yeah well, there is one thing i can say with 100 percent certainty and that is if i was a wild turkey gobbler i would not have lived past day two of my second season of my second year on this earth because i like women i like i like to gobble and I'm going to come check things out. So I'd, I'd have been dead. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I'd have been a goner. And nope. the the self-control, so to speak, and we know it's just their instinct. It's their, it, it, it's why they have the word wild in their name. It's just ingrained in them. And they could care less. They could care less, yeah. you know, so many times about what it is that's a hundred yards away you know I'll, I'll stand here and do my thing you come to me yes yes you know or this is another thing that really gets me uh you know he does something three days in a row or three times three different times and then you you think you've got him figured out and what he's going to do and then he does goes 180 degrees and does something opposite that morning you think you're going to kill him yeah. you know and it's not you know i, I believe in luck but I believe turkeys create a lot of their luck. Yeah, yep. I don't disagree with that. Well, I tell you so, what, I've got a little challenge for you if you're up to it. Hey, let's go. Yes, uh, good. you don't even know what it is, and you're in. All right, let's I do like it. it. I yeah. like the spirit. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a true turkey hunter right there. So, well, what I'll do is I'll get I'll have Cameron on speed dial. He's a really good turkey hunter. I'll call him after advice that doesn't work out. <laughs> it, it, it'll work it'll work all right so we have a little segment in the show that we do for first timers on the show and it's called the rapid fire q a and what uh -oh. it is is a series of 30 questions about wild turkeys and turkey hunting but really it's your preferences about those things and so okay if you're up for it what i'd like to do is run through Hit those 30 questions. Try to see if you can beat the fastest time in running through all 30 of those questions that we have on the on the books. And so the fastest time, Cameron, do you remember who it is? Let's see. It was This is my Cameron. I don't I don't <laughs> remember who it is. Was it a was it Jim Cassida? Ron Jolly beat Jim Cassida. Oh, in his second attempt. In his Fine. second attempt. That is true. That is true. And I did mess with Jolly a little bit, too, in his <laughs> in his rapid-fire Q&A, because I think I asked him 38 questions, even though I stopped the timer at, after, after question number 30. So if you're up to it, you think you can beat Ron Jolly, who 
I'm telling you, Andy, he he had Tess quiz him nightly after he missed breaking the record last time by like a fraction of a second. I mean, it was like three one hundredths of a second that he missed breaking the record and being in first place. And, and I can just see him. It was like I can see him, you know, getting trained up and everything like Rocky did in the first Rocky movie. <laughs> running up the stairs at the library in Philadelphia. I I can see Jolly doing that, practicing for this rapid-fire Q&A, but you're going to go at it just raw and untrained, and we're going to see what you can do. The fastest time, just to give you an idea. Oh, this this ought to be good, Jim. 30 30 questions, and the fastest time is 2 minutes and 32.74 seconds. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Yeah, it is. So, and you're, you're dealing with... The question asker is a slow talking southerner, so that doesn't help you any either. <laughs> well, I must I'll give you a slow answer too, so that's not <laughs> we've got two negatives to start with. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna start the the timer on the first question and when you say you're ready, I'll start asking. Ready. Wild turkey, grilled, baked or fried? Fried. Wild turkey on the rocks, neat with cola or with water? Water. Number of grand slams? Zero. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? Yes. Have you ever killed a jake? Yes. A 10-minute successful hunt on a four-year-old or a four-hour long hunt with a clean miss on a four-year-old? Option one. Favorite camo pattern? Mossy oak bottomland. Wild turkey legs for dinner or for the dog? The OG. More or less than five strikers in your turkey vest? Less. The state you killed your first turkey in? Mississippi. The state you killed your last turkey in? Uh, Sit in a blind for four hours and squeeze the trigger or run and gun for one hour and not shoot? Four hours, squeeze the trigger. Rios or Easterns? Easterns. Fields turkeys or woods turkeys? Woods turkeys. Two and three quarter inch, three inch or three and a half inch? Three inch. Four, five, six or blended shot? Six. Shotgun scope, rifle sight, holographic sight or beads? Beads. Rubber boots, leather boots or snake boots? Rubber boots. Favorite place you've ever hunted? Mississippi River Bottom. Most turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Ten. Least number of turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Four. Out of all the states you've hunted, which state has the most uncooperative turkeys? Mississippi. If you only knew how to imitate one turkey sound to call turkeys, what would it be? What? On a scale of one to ten, how good of a turkey caller do you think you are? Four. Favorite turkey hunting book? Beardy Rednecks. Who taught you how to turkey hunt? Me. Think of the toughest turkey you've ever hunted. Did you ever kill him? No, sir. Do you prefer long, sharp spurs or long, thick beards? Long, sharp spurs. The biggest mistake new turkey hunters make? Patience. Lack of patience. How long does turkey season last in heaven, and what is the bag limit? Unlimited, unlimited. Man, I got to tell you. I think it's going to be close. That was strong. (laughs) (laughs) That was strong. For for a slow talk boy from the state of Mississippi, that's that's real strong. That was two minutes and forty point <laughs> eight eight seconds. Okay, good deal. Yeah, good that, deal. You, you almost you almost had me laughing when you said, "Have you ever killed a Jake?" And I'm sitting there going, uh, "I'll not lie on this for sure." <laughs> <laughs> we used to have a saying when Jakes were legal in Mississippi, a Jake could get you through hard times. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. How long has it been since they were since it was illegal to shoot a Jake in Mississippi? Well, it goes back, let's say about I'm gonna say about seven or eight years now. Yeah, I thought it'd been a while. It's yes, man, at least seven or eight, maybe ten now. 
it's been a good while. Yeah. Do you like that move by the state or you think it doesn't really help much? I, I like the move. I, I like it because you, you still allow your, your kids below 15 can, can shoot a, a, a shoot a Jake. So that's good. I, I wish that it was, you know, for somebody for their first turkey and an adult, I wish they could shoot one. Just, just being honest with you there, you know, if somebody's, you know, 40 or 45 or 50 and never killed a turkey, that they had that opportunity. But as a general rule, yeah, I like it. Yeah. What we had on some of our, our management areas, you know, you had a lot of jakes were getting shot. And uh, yeah. so mm-hmm. they, 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 they came up with that rule to, to help out. And uh, I do like it. I think it's good. I think states with, you know, pretty liberal bag limits, which Mississippi's a three-bird state, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think it's pretty yeah. easy for a non-resident to show up and, and think, well, I got two more tags and let it rip on that Jake, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I, exactly. I wish Tennessee would do that, personally. But I agree with you, yeah. too. I wish people who, I don't know how you would regulate it to where people who yeah. never killed a turkey could kill a Jake. It would be a hard regulation, but as a general rule, I think it is a good move. So many of our regulations already are so hard to enforce. (laughs) That's true. So what's one more? Yeah. Yeah, very true. And bottom line, guys, in my opinion, on the over limits and things, it really comes down to the hunter. If You know, in in Mississippi, if if you're fortunate enough to go out and kill three long beards, I mean, you should be elated. You should be tickled to death, mm-hmm. to, you know, killing your limited here. Um, it's the main thing about turkey hunting. Everybody wants to kill the limit, but if you can be consistent and go out and have, you know, a couple of good hunts each year where you're successful, and 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 I'm not saying you have to kill a turkey for it to be a successful hunt by no means. Absolutely. Um, but you know, if you kill a couple of turkeys a year, two or three gobblers, you, you should be just tickled to death. And, and uh, that's just my opinion. That's just the way I am. I think you saw when I answered that question about sitting in a blind four hours and pulling the trigger or running and gunning. You know, as long as I know he's there, I can sit there and wait on him. I, I, it's just we started off hunting a small place, and you just there was four of us hunting this area, and you just didn't – rule number one is you don't run the turkeys off this place. And uh, so you had to set up in a blind. We made blinds and things, and you clucked and purred and yelped a little bit. And sometimes it was boring as everything. I mean, I, especially when I was a teenager, I was just bored out of my mind. But, uh, you know, I learned that it worked if you put in the time and be patient at some point, you know, you, you're going to kill a turkey like that if, if you'll be patient. And that's where – a lot of people, in my opinion, mess up. They run out of patience. Uh, you know, that same person that can sit on the deer stand for three hours can't sit, you know, on a turkey for 10 minutes. And that's mm-hmm. just not going to work a lot of times, um, for sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, you touched on something, and I've got to say, since you're an author, you can you can appreciate this. So my favorite quote from any of Tom Kelly's books that I've read is, from Better on a Rising Tide, and it is, Turkey hunting is a magical, intellectual, tactical exercise conducted out of doors. It is a personal, contemplative sport and does not require the production of a dead turkey to be classified as as a success. I mean, yes. d- does that sum up? I can't think of a better way to sum up the sport than that. You know, that's, that's it. That's I mean, strong. That's it. That so, is good. That's good stuff. That is good stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, 
along those lines, uh, how many times have you gone hunting and you gone turkey hunting? You worked that turkey all morning, and you, you just almost had him in range, and you almost sealed the deal, and you had to get to work that day, and you thought about him the whole time you were at work about what you're going to do the next morning and how it was going to take place and all the work that you put in to get there to that same spot the next morning. And then you get set up and he's where he needs to be and he flies down. Well, let me back up. The first time he gobbles when you're sitting there, all that work that you put in, you forget about all that. And it just becomes a, a, a memory that's imprinted in your mind that you, I mean, whether it works out or not, it's just, that's what makes the turkey season to, to me is to be able to hunt a turkey like that three or four or five days or even a couple of weeks. And if you do, are fortunate enough to kill him, uh, you know, if he's a, if he's a bad, you know, four-year-old gobbler and, and tough and everything, you, you don't forget those birds. You don't forget that at all. And if you're blessed enough to pull the trigger on him, that's just a bonus. Yeah. I mean, no doubt. Yeah. Yep. No doubt. For sure. Well, I, I want to touch on this too. And, and you know, I, I gave that quote from Tom Kelly's book and I actually, and it, it purely is coincidence, but I actually just finished your second book this morning. I okay. had one chapter left to finish. Of course, I'm, I'm good for about a chapter a night and then I fall asleep. Usually, sure. you know, book hits me in the between the eyes, I get a paper cut here, paper cut there on my face, but that it's not because the book bores me. It's just, that's my brain finally crashes. I'm able to relax and, and unwind and, you know, reading a good book will do that for me. So, but about two or three nights ago, I read the chapter 21 in your new book, Playing the Game. I'll meet you at the gate. And I have to tell yeah. you that chapter in that book is probably one of the most well-written chapters I've ever read in any turkey hunting literature at all and just really hit home to me and your reflection in that chapter and talking about, you know, if that gate could talk and yeah. share the stories that it's heard over the years. I mean, you know, that to me was it was just awesome. I loved, absolutely loved that chapter in that book. And, you know, I'm the kind of person I go out in the woods and, you know, there are days when I'll try to get lost, not literally, but, you know, I don't really want to be lost, but days that, you know, I, I just go and just, I'm going to, to explore new woods and I'll just walk and end up someplace where I have no clue really where I am or how I got there but I can always mark it on my phone on Onyx to get back the most convenient and easy way. And I'll get there and I'll stop and I'll look around and I'll think, I bet you nobody else in the world has ever been in this spot. And then you take about two or three steps and you look over and there's a upside down Mountain Dew can hanging on a tree branch. And you realize, <laughs> no, somebody else has been here. But still... You know, that's the kind of stuff that goes through my brain when I'm outside and, and, you know, just enjoying the outdoors. And that chapter really hit home with me in a lot of, in a lot of those ways, you know, and just, you know, what if that gate could talk and share the stories of people that have met outside of it and talked about their hunts or talked about, you know, whatever it happens to be, you know, holding court, talking politics, talking whatever. And yeah. You know, it'd be it'd be cool. 
that'd be cool to be able to hear all that and go back in time and and you know rewind and you know get to experience the confrontations that happened out there as well as all the celebrations so, oh yeah oh yeah and, and andy i appreciate that and it's I, that's the feedback I, i've gotten from a lot of turkey hunters especially the veterans they, they really like that chapter it, it's something you know again hunting with those three older guys everybody's got a gate on their hunting club or on a wildlife management area or, or a, you know corps of engineers piece of land everybody's got the same type gate maybe painted a little bit differently may look a little bit different but it's going to be uh you know welded pieces of steel attached a certain way and a lot of times the meetings that took place on, at these gates uh, and, and all throughout, you know, the, the South and the United States, for that matter, you know, a lot of times that information is, is better than the hunt. Sometimes you're meeting somebody up there, a new hunter, or, or exchanging information, or, or what all, you know, as I mentioned there, what all that gate has seen in the last 365 days of, of that year, you know, what all has happened there. The, the solo hunter that comes in and kills a trophy and never says a word about it, Mm-hmm. and eases out and, and, and puts it into the uh, follows the rules and regulations but never never says a word about it or the, the disgusted person who's gotten up four mornings in a row and, and he's missed that turkey and he's walking out of there and he's throwing his cap down on the ground and he, he's uh, you know saying words that he doesn't really need to say publicly and, yep. uh, and, and you know or, or that person that's walking out and, and as I mentioned in the book the only thing you hear when he's walking out of the woods the only thing that person hears is the wings of that gobbler catching an occasional branch or or uh, sawbriar. You know those wings hitting that walking out with that gobbler's head hitting his back. That that gives you a memory you'll never forget too. So it's the good and the bad things that go on there. And uh, yeah, I, I I really like that chapter too. It turned out well. Uh, it did. The Lord gave me some good words on that one for sure. Yeah, yeah. So you share. a a couple of stories about some of your Texas hunts from over the years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you hunt at the same place in Texas every time, the same outfit? No. Uh, I hunted in a place uh, kind of not quite in South Texas, uh, and then I started hunting at North Texas some, kind of centralized, I guess you would say, not North, but centralized Texas some, just with different people, you know, in different places. The Rios, I'm going to tell you, in general, now I've been on some some tough Rio hunts. Uh, I've been on some Rio hunts that uh, it's just, uh, you know, it, it, it turned out to be tough. The, the areas were hunted pretty hard. But in general, uh, a Rio is very obliging to your calling, and he makes you makes you feel good about yourself for sure, especially after you've been beat up by these Easterns for a couple of weeks. You know, to go mm-hmm. out there and, and hunt is usually a good time for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. They can, they can make you feel good, and then yeah. – you know, there's times when they can make you feel lower than an Eastern because they were so easy the morning before. Exactly, exactly. And uh, they, they cover so much ground out there, Andy. Uh, you know, they, they pitch down and you don't get his attention pretty quickly. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how far some of them travel. I, I'd be interested to know. I, I would say, I, you know, I don't several miles. I mean, who knows? But uh, they they can be pretty tough. Yeah. And a lot of some people don't believe that. You know, if you go out there and you've had an excellent Rio hunt or two, then, uh, you know, that that's a blessing. But I've been on some bad Rio hunts now as far as toughness. I mean, just like you say, you can go out and kill one one morning and then you can't 
can't find one the next two days or something. Yeah, yeah. Or you find one and he's just nasty. Yes, yes, and exactly. Any turkey can be that on any given day, I'm convinced. Yes, sir. No so, doubt. Have you hunted all four subspecies, at least the prominent four subspecies? I, I've never been to Florida, Cameron. Huh? I, I've never made the trip down there. Uh, it, it's probably on the bucket list. Just never, uh, you know, I retired in December. I thought I'd do it when I retired, and I retired in December 2019. But then, you know, we had COVID in 2020. And then I went to, uh, let's see, Missouri last year and Texas. And with the other book and all coming on, I just maybe in the next few years, I'll try the Florida birds and and see about it. Uh, Just never have made it down there yet. Well, I want to suggest that you find a good outfitter out that way and you sign up mm-hmm. for two slots and you take your dad okay. with you. Oh yeah. You, yeah. you both will love it. It's just, it's such a unique experience. There's nothing else like it. And you know, those, those Osceola's can be, well, they're just turkeys. They can be a lot of fun or they can be a, a huge pain in the <laughs> rear end as well. But Cameron, am, am I wrong? I mean, it's you've hunted in a lot of states yourself. Is don't you think Florida's unique? Yes, I would say Florida's ecosystem. The only way you might could get close would be like coastal Mississippi or Alabama, maybe. But South Florida, like hunting in that ecosystem, is is unlike anything else. It's it's kind of takes you back in time, I'd say, because Onyx and things like that aren't is helpful if any down there like you're you have to hunt like less technology almost because topo maps can't they they help you not you know gotcha yeah just interesting yeah very interesting the, the is a cool turkey anyway yeah they are yeah. I, I i like their spurs man i've seen a lot of good set of spurs on those on those osceolas for sure yeah no doubt they can <laughs> have some hooks on them for sure <laughs> I'm telling you. So, Cameron, I'm I'm kind of hogging the conversation here. So, you tell me to shut up when you have something you want to ask or or anything. I I might be. You're asking somewhat decent questions. So I'll let for you once. Keep... So you're gonna let me run with it. <laughs> I might be the better part of a of a drink into the evening. So <laughs> anyway, we'll we'll just move on from there. Andy, you probably are talking to me on your cell phone. If you are, that's correct. Then we'll hold for a second. I want you to pull up the text message that I just sent you. Okay, that's a new one. I don't think we've had one of these before. No, this is new. Oh, how about that? So you want to tell everybody what what's in that text message I sent you? This is a signature grade box call that my dad built uh, in September of 2002. It was made for Dick Kirby. How about that? So, Where'd you find that, Andy? I was <laughs> well. Let me ask. Let me ask the other Andy this. Do you know where I might have found that call? I haven't a clue, Andy. Uh, I know he made he made Dick uh, one or two calls, I think, but I don't have a clue where you might have found it though. Okay, so I just got back from the Unicoi Turkey Call Maker Show in Helen, Georgia, and. There was a gentleman there by the name of Mark McPhail. <laughs> there we go. Mark McPhail, yes. And Mark McPhail has that turkey call. 
And every other turkey call. And every other turkey yeah. call in the United States. So he brought, you know, and I'm telling you something you already know if you know Mark, but the listeners <laughs> may not know, but he is a call collector and focuses his call collecting on Mississippi call makers. So Mark lives in Mississippi and likes to collect from call makers within that state. And so he brought several of his calls from his call collection to the Unicoi call makers show. And your dad's box call was one of the calls that he brought. Your the call that he that your dad made for Dick Kirby was one of the calls he brought to show off. And so How about that? I I thought you'd get a kick out of that and I I know that you'll share that story with your dad, but Oh yes. Yeah, he'll be he'll be glad to hear that. I'm telling you that uh, Mark is a, he's a turkey man for sure, and just uh, collects everything, uh, all kinds of turkey calls, and just a, a great guy. I really like Mark. Yeah, he is super nice guy. So yeah, great. He was part of the the turkey call collectors roundtable that they did at Unicoi one evening, and he said, "I've got this call made by a fella in Mississippi." He's a former game warden, and his son has written a couple of turkey hunting books. I said, I know who that is. (laughs) He didn't have to say the name. And so, anyway, it was was pretty funny. So when I I went up to him after the the roundtable was over, and I said, I want to take a picture of that call. I'm going to send that to Andy, because Andy (laughs) Andy will appreciate that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, thank you. That is cool. That's a good story. Good stuff. Yeah. I'm telling you, no doubt. Well, um, Andy, what do you have planned for this spring? Are you going to be hanging out in Mississippi all spring? Or are you going back to Texas? Well, yes, sir. I, I'm headed to. Uh, I'm going to be headed to uh, Texas in early April, and then I'm going to Missouri uh, probably that third week in April, and then uh, kick off the season here on the 15th, March 15th in Mississippi. So that's what I've got on the books right now. Yeah. What do you think about Mississippi's uh, new non-resident rule? You like that? Well, you know, one, one thing we have to look at, uh, and I talked to our program coordinator for the state, with, with Alabama backing up their season, uh, it would be Mississippi and Florida would be the only two states coming in in March. And, you know, I, I think they made that rule, that regulation to, to kind of, you know, at some point, I think we've all going to have to uh, have a difficult conversation. And, uh, you know, with as many turkey hunters as we have now, I I don't know. I I don't know that we have, just being honest, I I think we're getting to a point where we may need to look at lowering our limit a little bit, you know, down to two instead of three in some areas for sure. Yeah. And I know that's that's a painful thing to say. And and here's the, the only, and when I say that, you know, if you look at the statistics, there's probably less than 10% of the hunters kill three a year, you know? So how many gobblers are you going to be saving like that? You know, at some point we're going to have to, in my opinion, adjust the season, uh, you know, to do what's best for the resource, because just being honest, we don't, we don't have the birds that we used to have. No, nowhere near the birds we used to have. Now it is encouraging this deer season. I've seen, you know, a lot of young turkeys uh, in certain areas, but we still, you know, if you ask me, and this is just a personal question, you ask me, hey, you want to uh, lower the limit or move the season, if it's going to help our turkey hunting, 
yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah, that, that's just me. I'm all for it. If we can make some changes and, and just really help out, I don't have a problem with that. Now, if I've got a, if I'm a guy and I've got you know four or five thousand acres and I can kill three turkeys a year pretty easily, I may not want that to happen. But I hunt a lot of public land. If it's gonna make if it's gonna be best for the resource, yeah, I'm all for it. That's that's me. Yeah, I you actually nailed it on the head probably with your guess because Tennessee, for instance, had a four bird limit and they found. 10% of hunters killed three and 4% killed four. So you're, you're about dead on on how many people probably killed three. So yeah. but I like the idea that Arkansas implemented of a one bird per WMA, you know? Yeah. If someone's willing and able to kill a turkey on three different WMAs, I think they're doing a lot less damage than a guy who kills three off the same ridge on one WMA, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree exactly exactly uh, but that uh, could be a way to do it and keep your private folks and all this other you know people happy is make it where regional you know maybe per county or whatever it is but i agree with you yeah. and, and obviously we see it and that's pretty much all anybody can talk about when we have them on and whatever state they're in is man there's just not as many turkeys so something has to be done yeah we you know it's those painful conversations that's got to take place and and i'll be honest with you guys i've got to do a better job on uh myself we had a little corn feeder out for deer and i had nine coons on that corn feeder you know uh, one one afternoon so you know i could be trapping i could be helping out right there and that's where i need to do a better job i had a small you know piece of private land that i hunt and so i could be trapping those coons right there to help out but uh, and yeah go get them because you know, that's why i was yeah. 10 minutes late i shot a coon and a possum on my way <laughs> that's, <laughs> the that, that's it i mean that's it but you know uh, if it if it helps the resource i'm all for it you know as painful as it will be in the spring if you do you know cut the season down we've got a six-week season and, uh, you know, if, if we have to move it a little bit, I, I'm certainly fine with that. It's just uh, anything to help our turkeys, uh, I'm all for. I'm at a point where I, I still love killing turkeys, don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, it's a lot more than pulling the trigger now, too. Yeah, I think the vast majority of us get to that point, you know, if we if we stick with the sport long enough and if God gives us enough time on this earth that, it's give and take with turkeys you know we want to give as much as we can give to them and help them out as much as we can and then when turkey season rolls around all bets are off it's out and out war yep yes but (laughs) when season's out here we go again give and give and give and give and give and so you know I, i think that if more of us would take that approach you know in the off season and and give and you know whether it's giving financially to an organization like the NWTF or Turkeys for Tomorrow or giving of our time in trapping and habitat management, you know, it's, we're, we're going to help the resource out. And that's all that a real turkey hunter wants is to help the resource. That's right. That's very true. That's very true. You mentioned in the rapid fire Q&A that you did not kill the toughest turkey that you've ever hunted. You want to share that story with us? <laughs> Was that the, the one for Reese from, from your first book? That that's the one called Evil. Yeah, that's I was gonna. With, 
with a name like Evil, he had to be unkillable. You can't kill Evil. <laughs> <laughs> evil yeah. still exists today. <laughs> yeah, you can't kill that. Hey, that's a, that, that turkey was just something else. Um, it's a short, i tell you what, I've got it right here. Do y'all mind if I take me about two or three minutes to read this chapter real quickly? Go ahead. Oh. All right, let's try this. I once read an article that dealt exclusively with the topic of call-shy turkeys. The author believed there is no such thing as a call-shy turkey. He made some strong points for his argument. Then there are those who think there is no such thing as an unkillable turkey. I will say that a gobbler is more vulnerable on a select few days of the season than he might be at other times. If I had not dealt with turkeys such as evil, I might be more inclined to completely agree with his findings. Evil made his home in the middle of a heavily hunted public management area. As I think back on him, there is suddenly a strong desire to go grab a couple of headache pills. I feel a migraine coming on. He lived three to 400 yards off the main gravel road that most hunters use to access this portion of the property. In addition, one of the favorite fishing, swimming, and general loitering areas was right beside the main road. Let me just be a little more descriptive. It's the place... When the circus comes to town, that everyone would give a thumbs up for the location of the big top tent. You get the point. Everyone heard this turkey gobble. I did not try him for the first couple of weeks of the season, hoping he would survive. I kept tabs on evil and thought he was possibly taken out during the second week of the season. My dad spoke to a hunter one morning, and he had just missed old evil at 50 yards. He asked my dad if he would come back to that area. My dad's reply was priceless. He said, "Yes, he will probably come back next spring." This season was going, <laughs> this season was going well, and I needed one more gobbler to fill my limit. I decided to try and finish out the season with Old Evil. He proved to be a very worthy adversary. Evil switched up his routine and quit gobbling as often on the roost. Evil also quit gobbling on the same end of a slew. He had been peppered with a magnum turkey load and quickly put two and two together. When the middle of April rolled around, I was the only one hunting Evil. I slipped into his area about four o'clock one afternoon. My goal was to try and get him roosted for the next morning's hunt. I pulled up some logs and branches to make a small blind. It looked good and I was well concealed. The afternoon was moving right along until a helicopter flew, flew over and Evil let me know he was still in there. He shot gobble. Now I had hunted this gobbler at least three or four times and never laid eyes on him. He seemed to be almost ghost-like at times. I thought to myself, Mr. Evil, if you won't come to a cantrell box call cluck, you won't come to a call at all. I softly clucked twice and laid down the box call. I scratched in the leaves and let everything get quiet again. My gun was up, and I was sitting motionless. Just then, a hinge walked behind some trees. One made another, then another, and so on. It turned out to be five hens, three jakes, and old Evil strutting and bringing up the rear. Evil raised his neck at 50 to 55 yards, but I felt like he was just a little too far for a good killing shot. You know, this is before the TSS. This is just when we use lead. And that's another question that I'll ask y'all in just a minute about lead shot. Let me get back to the story, though. Evil took two or three more steps and putted and ran off. He knew there should have been another hen there, but he did not see one. His instincts told him to get out of there as fast as he could. And let me tell you, he did. There's no way to know how many turkey hunters Old Evil defeated that spring. Personally, I do know one that knocked the ink off three shells from loading and unloading them out of his shotgun, me. I believe turkeys <laughs> like this one... <laughs> I believe turkeys like this one instinctively adapt and understand their safety in numbers. They rely on other turkeys to help them survive. They also never appear to be completely comfortable until they wrap those three-toed feet around a limb at roost time. Really, it would not surprise me if this nervous gobbler roosted with one eye open. 
Evil never allowed us to duel again that season. When I reflect back on turkeys like old evil, a part of me smiles. He took every punch thrown by the turkey hunters on a heavily hunted public land management area, and on May 2nd, he was still standing. In the end, I've come to realize as long as we have skeptical gobblers like old evil, there will always be a carryover of turkeys for the next year. But that's that's old evil. He was something else. There was he was one of those turkeys. You know, there was there was no reason for him to do what he did. And then this was that was just one hunt. But I'd been on him several times, and uh, I just did not have. He was probably fifty to fifty five yards. But shooting lead shot, whatever it was, fives or sixes, I just did not want to cripple him up. Especially he'd already been shot at one time too. Yeah. And uh, I like it's you know that's another part of the sport. You know, with with TSS and this other the, the technological changes, uh, you know, is it really? I mean, although you can kill a turkey at seventy yards, is that really what we need to be doing, guys? You know, is it's not about how far you can shoot one; it's about how close you can get him. In my opinion, yeah. I mean, it's just not. You know, how many turkeys are we crippling up shooting at them too far? Uh, I talked to a veteran back in the spring i said how many turkeys have you let walk at 45 or 50 yards because you didn't want to cripple him up he said several and you just don't hear about that like like we used to and i don't want to sound like back in the old days but that's kind of the point i'm getting to uh you know just because you can kill him you know my my 30 out six will kill a deer at 500 yards but that doesn't mean i can make that shot yep and i think we're we're, we're when you shoot at a turkey at 70 80 yards and it's especially a flock how many other turkeys are you peppering and crippling up if even if you do kill that turkey yeah so that's just something you know i i just i i like to get him in about 35 or 40 yards and and uh, you know although my gun i i mean i can kill him at 50 now but it's about how close you can get him not how far in my opinion and that's just my opinion yeah i'm with you 100 percent on that yeah. yeah so cameron and i are on different ends of the spectrum regarding tss and I will say we end up on the same end of the spectrum when it comes to this. I don't care if you're shooting TSS. I don't care if you're shooting lead. I don't care if you're shooting heavy shot. I don't care if you're shooting a slingshot. You got to know your range and you got to make an ethical shot. And 70 yards with TSS, I don't care what you say. You may have your gun patterned at 70 yards with shooting TSS, but that's not in the woods with saplings and branches and everything else in the way. And potential hens nearby. Exactly. You let that bird come in. I shoot TSS, and I'll shoot a turkey at 40 to 50 yards all day long. Going out past 50, all I'm going to say is, if I shoot one and I walk up to him and he's 60 steps, or, or excuse me, 60 yards away, that was a mistake on my end. And I had the best mistake cure available in my shotgun that's right you know i don't make it a point i now i don't want to shoot them at 15 or 20 either but oh no they can get too close absolutely but no tss is not the cure for killing more turkeys tss is a cure for mistakes in judging distance when he's at 55 yards and he and you thought he was 45 or 40 so yeah and i'm all for capitalizing on opportunities but and, and and then this is, I guess it's more personal, Andy and Cameron. I, I was hunting last year, and this, this uh, gentleman, I, he shot, and I was walking out. He shot twice, and I was walking out, and uh, I walked up on him. And 
Yeah, I could tell, you know, he was he was depressed a little bit. And I said, well, what happened? He said, well, he said, I missed him. I said, well, it happens. I said, you know, you, you know, he who never misses doesn't shoot at many of them. It's just going to happen. I mean, you're shooting at a, at a bobbing head. It's just going to happen. You know, you take the best shot you can and move on. I said, well, how far was he? He said, he's out there about 70. He said, but that TSS will kill him. I'm like, you know. You know, what do you say at that moment? I mean, what do you say at that exact moment? You don't want to drive him against the sport, but, I mean, he, he was younger. He's probably in his mid-20s. And, uh, you know, it just – you probably crippled up a turkey. I mean, you know, with that many shots, some of it's going to hit it, you know, unless you just clean a sapling out, you know, way before he gets to him. But Yeah. Uh, and the guy's already feeling bad enough as it is because he's missed the turkey. But, you know, try to get him in there about 40 yards before you – and, you know, I remember back in the early days, guys, 40 yards with, with lead number sixes, uh, sometimes it was a fist fight when you had to get – I mean, you had to fight him to get him down. Oh, yeah. Uh, it just it, – it wouldn't clean – it wouldn't break his spinal cord a lot of times. And uh, it would be a, a fight to get him down. So, you know, a lot of times we'd wait till they got 30 or 35. But um, anyhow, I agree with you 100% on capitalizing a mistake, an opportunity right there, having the best ammo, no no doubt. But yeah. uh, the main thing is, you know, get him in there about 40, you know, 45 steps, 40, 35, 40 steps, and, and kill the turkey and don't kill half the flock. Yeah. yeah, I think that's happened probably more than we care to admit. Just being honest, oh, it's yeah. a it's a double edged sword. And I've shared before on here that I used to use it, and I noticed that I started taking further shots just because I knew I could, and so I stopped using it because I thought, hey, it's easy to tell yourself I'm not shooting unless he's within forty while you're sitting at home on the couch. But when he's sitting there at sixty, <laughs> and he looks like he's at 10 because you're sitting there bug-eyed looking at him it's pretty easy to be like well this this will kill him probably so i'm gonna let it rip and i just know my self-control yeah. wasn't there so i went yeah. back down yeah. to the lead shot and I've, I've liked it but and i disagree yeah. with andy on one thing i would love to shoot every turkey on earth at less than 15 yards <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't mind if I, I, split, I don't mind if i split him up open you know i'm trying to kill him anyway and I, I like for him to be pretty but man it's pretty fun having him at 10 i'll probably miss anyway so <laughs> oh goodness cameron you probably have a pretty good point there because i'm going to miss him with the first shot at 40 yards anyway so why not just miss him at 10 yards with the first shot <laughs> then he's at perfect range on shot two and three <laughs> oh my goodness I, i'm telling you they uh I, you know the only thing about that, now this is, it hurts when you miss him at 40, but, oh, does it hurt when you miss him at 10 or 15? Oh, that's just terrible. Mm, that yeah. right there, oh, that, that'll make you want to come home and kick the dog, but you know it's not right. You're not supposed to do that. You know what I mean. Good <laughs> night. Yeah, yeah. It is, it's an interesting point, though, because I feel like turkey hunting is the one thing where innovation, innovation may not be a good thing you know i mean innovation's great and good but sometimes it's good to be you know not innovate to make people more killable for turkeys i guess more killing so it's a good point yeah exactly and, and exactly it all comes down like you said earlier it all comes down to individual and their choices yes yes and while we're on that point i want 
what's your what y'all's thoughts on this guys uh these the, the the cameras that send pictures to your phone and you can you know within 10 minutes when a gobbler's entering entering and leaving a field you know if he's coming in there at three o'clock i mean you get multiple days you just go in there and execute him on day three or day four what's y'all's thoughts on that i've i've never done anything with trail cameras for turkeys and I don't ever, ever really plan to. I like to put them out before season to see kind of a census of what I got. But right. I don't run them through season as a way of like knowing where turkeys are. And I, right. I can't speak for everybody because I've never done it. But that would not be fun yeah. to me. I mean, that, no. I feel like I would have wasted a gobbler that I could go pursue by calling up and having a, you know, oh, yeah. a moment. Yeah where you show up and you don't know where he is to start the day and you hear him gobble and then you have to execute in your brain. How do I do this? Where is he? You know, all the strategy compared to, okay, he comes here at three. I'm going to sit right here at two 30, 30 minutes. He'll walk by execution. I just, not for me. I've, I've seen, you know, some States like, was it Arizona actually banned trail cameras? I think that was more so yeah. big game. But yeah. for me, that wouldn't that wouldn't be worth going turkey hunting to me. I mean, I feel like I would have wasted yeah. a, a turkey. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, it's like you like you just described when you go out and find him and then and then play the game on his terms and and you know you make the the right chess moves and you're fortunate enough to get him. I don't know. I, at some point, just a thought, and you, you hit on this earlier, uh, that the technology has got to benefit the resource more than the hunter, in my opinion. There's yeah. That scale's going to have to flip a little bit at some point. And I may be totally wrong, but, but that's just an opinion. Yeah, I mean, we've got cellular trail cams, we've got better guns, better chokes, TSS, Onyx maps, all this, you know, camouflage that's unreal. People use a lot of realistic decoys. Meanwhile, the turkey has countered by having the same tools he's had since the Indians were here. He can run, fly, and make moves. <laughs> so, that's it. That's it. at that's some it. point, it's got to it's getting where the fair chase line is getting very uh, close to being crossed and being crossed in many aspects, in my opinion. That's it. I, I completely agree, Cameron. Yeah. Completely- the, the turkey can't yeah. innovate like we are. <laughs> he's he's right. given what God, God gave him. <laughs> well, and you know what? Dealing with me specifically, Cameron, he, he doesn't need anything else, you know, to whip me. I'm going to tell you. He doesn't need anything more than what the you know God gave him when the Indians were running around for sure. I mean, he can still uh, with me regularly, but I don't know. There's just there's just a lot of things that's not in their favor right now that you know we need to figure out through our biologists and through our through our you know turkey hunters on on how to help the resource more. In my opinion, and that's just again that's just my opinion. What, what yeah. do you think, Andy? I mean, what's your thoughts? Well, I, I have a bit of mixed emotion or mixed opinion on this because I wholeheartedly believe if it's a legal means of taking a wild turkey and that's what somebody chooses to do to fill one of their limited tags for wild turkeys, one of their limited opportunities to experience a a Tom standing out there at 25 yards in full strut drumming and gobbling and fired up and you just checked that box and took that opportunity out of the 
equation and you chose to execute one as he walked into a food plot at 3 p.m. because you had him on a trail camera day after day after day, okay, you know, the law says you can do it, do it, check that little box on your tag, on your license, call that bird in, maybe that's the last one you got and get out of the woods, you know, so I don't know, I, I, I have mixed emotions about that because I will tell you this, if it was the last bird I needed to fill all my tags in the state of Alabama or whatever state I happen to be hunting at that time, I'm not going to kill one that way. If it's the first mm-hmm. one and the only one, if it's the last day of season and I have beat my head against an oak tree every single day I've gone out into the woods until it's bloody and I can't see because the blood's run down into my eyes every single day, <laughs> the good Lord sent me one and I, I'm going to take him, you know, but... well. That's kind of the way I feel about it. You know, it's, it's, and I, I think that's part of what makes the sport good. I think that having conversations like this are good and they're healthy because we're not always going to agree and we don't always have to. But that doesn't mean that I hate Cameron and I call him bad words on social media. Yeah, that's right. You know, we're uh, we're still friends. We might sure. disagree on that, or maybe we don't. You know, given the circumstances I just laid out, maybe Cameron would say, "Yeah, I'd probably squeeze the trigger on him if I was on my last day in X Y Z state and I hadn't had any luck and I was getting beat left side and right side and I just drove past this field every single day and I saw that bird out in that field, you know, for three days and on day four I'm going to go kill him." You know, I I don't know, but I think it just depends on the circumstances. And if the law says it's legal, then I I just have a hard time saying it's wrong. And like Andy Cantrell said, you know, we need our biologists to be studying and tell us what's the deal. And so they set the laws with what they think is is a legal good means to take a turkey. And that's what it is. I do think hunters have to self-regulate at some point. But I do... And I've said this before, I wish they would study kind of what are these advances we've made with technology and things? How is that affecting turkeys? And if they find that, hey, cellular trail cameras is hurting our turkey population, I don't know if that is what it is, you know, or or people shooting them at 70 or fanning turkeys is, is affecting populations, then make it illegal. And then that settles that, you know. But I agree with you, Andy. There's no point in disparaging somebody for taking a turkey legally under any circumstance. So yeah, and I just you make a couple of great points there. You, I mean, if if it's okay with the with the Department of Wildlife and the state of Mississippi, state of Alabama, state of Tennessee, I mean, I'm all for it. That's that's very good. And going back to that, what your point about beating your head against the tree on the last day, uh, there was a year I didn't kill a turkey. And I'll be honest with you, if I could have got my hands on some hand grenades, I would have toted them in my vest that last week trying to throw them at them. I believe you. You know, just trying to kill. I mean, it was that bad. I could not. I walked into the grocery store to buy one, and they, no, you're not getting one this year. You forget it. (laughs) I mean, it was just just that horrible. And and I did miss one that year. It was my own fault. But, uh, you know, there's some years of just, just better than others and that was horrible i just um I, I tried to when i put my clean my gun up that year and put it in the safe i tried to forget all about that year that season was horrible mm-hmm. i'm telling you <laughs> it, was yeah. it was it was 
it was a, abuse. I'm gonna tell you. It, but, it, um, those hit when you need humbling most. You know, you get a string two or three good ones together, and you start creeping in your mind thinking, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. And then you get humbled <laughs> real fast. Oh my goodness! Yes, yes. I'm telling you, no doubt, guys. Oh. <laughs> but that that's you brought up some really good points right there, though. If you know, if the Department of Wildlife has no problem with it, I don't either. Just kind of wondering at, at what point is this technology going to flip too much in, in favor of the hunter? And, and like, like Cameron said, all that turkey has is what he had when the Indians were chasing him. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a fantastic point. And at some some stage, you know, we're going to have completely silent jetpacks and be able to drop in out of the sky on top of them and kill them that way. And <laughs> You know, we're we're gonna have to draw a line somewhere. But what it is, I don't. What it is, and where it is, and when it is, I don't know. Well, and that's not up to us to decide the line for the whole state type thing. And I just, I do wish there would be more. You know, maybe actual factual data showing where the fair chase line is for turkey. You know, like deer, they decided, hey, you can't go spotlight them at night and shoot them. That that is not fair. So it, as of right now, you know, we have our regulations and I just wonder if they need to peel that back a little bit, move that line back a little bit to favor the turkeys a hair more under current conditions. Or as you said, if we get to where we can drop on them with a jetpack, you know, maybe, maybe at that point they're like, huh, we might kill too many birds with everyone being able to fly in there and shoot him off the wrist. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I'll say no this, doubt. you know, and, Andy, I, I know you're going to agree with my statement that I'm going to make. Cameron, I know you're going to agree with my statement that I'm going to make. Uh, I, I thought you were going to say I was going to disagree. <laughs> no, like, oh, no. Believe it or not, you're going to agree with this too. And I'm saying it. This is coming from Andy Galliano, the turkey hunter, not Andy Galliano, the conservationist, not Andy Galliano, the co-host of the Turkey Hunter podcast. This is coming from Andy Galliano, the turkey hunter, the selfish guy that doesn't want anybody else to kill another turkey in the whole entire United States ever again. We have too many turkey hunters. 100%. Again, that's coming from me being selfish on a personal note. You guys listening know truly I am not that way because if I was, I wouldn't be doing the show. Yeah. We wouldn't be having awesome guests like Andy Cantrell on this show to to share stories and tips and things like that with us. So saying all of that, we have got to to look at the fact that because we have more turkey hunters, we have a bigger voice now with our state wildlife agencies, no matter what state it is. And we need to let our voices be heard. Don't think for a second the deer hunters aren't doing it. Don't think for a second the elk hunters aren't doing it. And don't think for a second that your state wildlife biologists and your agencies don't take those comments into account because they do and it matters. And if we don't speak up as turkey hunters because we have a heck of a lot more volume to our voice right now than we did 20 years ago, if we don't speak Mm -hmm. up and start saying what we want, what we like, what we don't, then who in the world knows what we're going to get? Maybe we can just drop in on that silent jetpack on top of one and just slit his throat with a pocket knife. 
<laughs> now that I'm thinking about that, that might be pretty cool. Yeah, I think there's a guy doing that on one area that I'm hunting right now, guys. <laughs> I don't know. He's just, I, I've heard him out, hoot, and he just he ha, he's not coming in by boat or by vehicle. He's just like he drops out of a helicopter at some, you know, about one in the morning or something. I don't know. He just I, I think appears he may be doing there. that. Yeah, yeah, but you know, he, he never. He, good thing about it, he never shoots. So he, I guess that's good. He may be. I don't know. Throwing a spear at him or something. I don't know. I don't know. But he, he, he's killing he his limit with a spear. Yeah, I like that. He he's got his limit with a spear. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, we're all over here halfway through the season with nothing. He's he's been limited out with a spear. Yeah. 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 The only blood I've got is, uh, you know, from the mosquitoes that are, that are, you know, sucking it out of me, sucking the life out of me there for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt. Andy, this no has doubt. been fun. I've I've enjoyed this. And yeah, really fun. You, it's been a blast. You sent me a, a little special offer that you wanted to, to offer to the listeners of this show. Do you want to give that, or do you want me to – to offer that to him I'd, I'd prefer you do it but if you want me to i'll do it i'll, I'll be glad to uh, uh what i what i'm going to do since i this is such a good uh podcast and and some some great information and both of you are really good guys um uh, my my first book paying your dues a lifetime of memories collection of memories from a mississippi turkey hunter um i'm selling it for 25 dollars, and then my second book playing the game um uh, Hunting suspicious gobblers who ignore all the rules. That that sells for thirty dollars. But today, for this special podcast, I, I'm going to sell the book set for fifty, and that's including shipping. Including shipping, excuse me. So wow. if, if anyone out, so if anyone out there is interested uh, in in the set or, or just one one of the books, if you'll just text me at six six two three one five three one nine one. That's six six two three one five three one nine one. Just text me your name and address, and or you can email me at a cantrell that's c a n t r e l l at hotmail dot com. Uh, a c a n t r e l l at hotmail dot com. Just uh, let me know who to address the books to, and I accept PayPal, Venmo, credit or debit card, cash or check will be fine. Just uh, I love getting these books in the hands of turkey hunters. Just basically, I wrote them on, on. I had three goals basically when I wrote the books. One was for the veteran turkey hunters to relate to the smallest detail on every hunt, um, and then I wanted our beginning turkey hunters, or, or just somebody that a turkey hunted maybe ten or fifteen years, but just don't have the time to go in the spring very often to pick up some tips. And then uh, my main goal was to take the reader on a hunt through my eyes. I wanted you to be there with me with the shotgun and uh, just kind of some of the stuff that been been fortunate that God's allowed me to experience. And uh, I, I hope I've done that in both books. Uh, some people have told me that, and uh, I, I hope you guys have enjoyed them. I'm telling you, I, I've had a glass uh, riding those and, I was, matter of fact, I got lucky the other day. I was working on book number three in a deer stand, and uh, I guess the the slowest deer on earth, uh, I guess he couldn't hear, come walking up, and I shot him. It was a seven point, but uh, (laughs) that's that's, – I was working on a book on my phone, and the deer walked up just right behind me, uh, middle of the day, right there. But anyhow, anyhow, and anyway, it's it's been a blast, guys, and I I appreciate you allowing me to come onto your program, y'all. 
keep that information out there and keep promoting that wild turkey because uh, that that's where it's about. I it just I have a deep love and appreciation for that bird and uh, just nothing like it. And you 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 both know what I'm talking about. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. I hope a lot of y'all will take that offer because free shipping is not a small fee for books. Oh no. I've had a million of them shipped to me, and it is a costly ordeal. So 50 bucks for two bucks shipped to your door is a very good deal. Yeah. Two good books. Yeah, well, that's a, a vital it. part of it, too. Two good yeah. books. Yeah. Two bad <laughs> books for 50 bucks shipped to your door is not a great deal. Good point. Good point. <laughs> Andy, does that... Does that Seven Point in Mississippi have a dumb, deaf, dumb, and blind cousin in Alabama that, that I, I, <laughs> I, sure, I can sure use one? <laughs> well, actually, I was probably, where I was, was only probably 10 miles from the Alabama line. So maybe, yeah, maybe one, you know, rutting up through there and gets that far, just across the line or something. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I don't know. Uh, I've always felt like, the, you know, when the turkeys and deer – Turkeys especially, when they've been whooping on you so bad, every every once in a while, God sends you that, that gift turkey, that one that flies off the roost and lands about 30 yards from your gun barrel. And just, I mean, everything goes right. It's just a perfect morning. He just he cuts off your tree up. Everything worked out. And then for every one that you're able to take like that, there's probably about 10 that you just have to just lose hours and hours of sleep over to try and kill. And that's these hard-headed Easterns. They just, they're... They're a different breed now. I mean, yeah. I have, like I say, I haven't been to Florida to hunt those birds, but these Easterns are just a different breed. Yep, that is for sure. <laughs> Very cool. No doubt. Thank you. Thank you, Andy, for joining us. And yeah. hey, I, I truly enjoyed it. Guys. I enjoyed your book. I can't wait to read the second one. I have not yet, but I cannot wait to read it. I, I have gotten it. It is in the collection. But I truly appreciate you taking time to join us today. Yes, indeed. Hey, thank you, guys. Y'all have a good one, and Andy, I hope you kill that 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 buck before the season runs out. Thank you, I appreciate that, and good luck to you this turkey season. And text me some pictures of some dead turkeys. I love that. Hey, I'll try to. I'll, I'll try to get with my buddies. I, I uh, I've got some that are turkey killers. I'm more of a turkey watcher now. I guess I'm getting older and fatter, not as not as quick as I used to be. <laughs> well, you could you could borrow one of their birds and take a picture with it and send it to us. I'll never know the difference. There you go. There you go. Find the guy with the spear in the woods who appears and take a picture with the turkeys. Yeah. I'll find him and say, hey, I know a couple guys who will see you right here. <laughs> He's yeah, never, never been pictured before. I'd like to see that. <laughs> a lot like Sasquatch. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Good deal. No doubt. Thank you again, uh-huh. Andy. We appreciate you, and, and good luck to you this turkey season. Let's stay in touch now. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Y'all take care. All right, buddy. You too. Man, he's just a heck of a nice guy. It's like, are turkey hunters just good people? You know, like for the most part. <laughs> I, I <laughs> or, think, or do 90... we just get lucky on the podcast? <laughs> nah, I don't. I don't think we just get lucky. But I think ninety-eight percent of them really are. You know, uh, we, I think so too. We've got those the bad guys out there that want to come in on you and you know park right beside your vehicle or block yeah. you in at a gate and, and and one here yeah and but you know there's no telling how many people pull up to that gate after you've walked into the woods and then they drive off and you never see the fact that they drove up saw your vehicle and drove off you know they're just those type of people 
and I think that's, that's what good. the vast majority of turkey hunters are. That is a really good point. You know, you you latch on to and notice that negative when it happens once in a blue moon. You don't. I've never considered how many people have probably been honorable about it. You know, so that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, I. I I imagine after hearing that interview, everyone's going to jump on the deal that Andy, you know, put out there for his books. And if you I don't, you're a fool. It. A fool. You're a fool, I tell you. <laughs> it, you'll enjoy them. I have no doubt about that. And so what I would do if I was y'all, I would contact him, get that deal, and ask him to sign both copies for you. So you have a little personal note in there and get those on your bookshelf and It'll get you fired up for turkey season because we're right here, folks. It is happening in Hawaii, I believe, and Florida will be open in a few days. So it is happening. It is upon us for sure. It is on us. So great interview. I had, in regard to last week's interview, I had a person call me and tell me a really cool story about Will Primos and how he didn't even know who Will Primos was when he was a kid. And Will took about an hour at a show on the side and taught him how to use a diaphragm call. And then yeah. years later, he's like, hey, that's that guy that taught me how to use a diaphragm call. And it was Will Primos. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. And he he called me and told me how he loved that show we did last week and our talk with Will. And I, I really appreciate that call from you, JT. I, I thank you for that. And it was it was cool to hear from you about that, how that kind of sparked a memory for you so I'm, I'm glad we could do that yeah not many people can say that they got a private lesson on how to run a diaphragm call by will primos <laughs> and didn't even know who he was talking yeah. to <laughs> yeah he, he just thought it was like the store clerk or something you know <laughs> <laughs> oh this guy must work here i'll ask him how to use the diaphragm that's awesome that is awesome it's pretty yeah. good but Good I stuff. enjoyed that, and I, I know I know y'all enjoyed this talk with Mr. Cantrell. I hope I'm going to make that the favor of the week. Even if you don't want to buy a book because you're saving up money for gas for turkey season, Whew. reach out to Andy Cantrell and let him know that you enjoyed this show with him. But I highly suggest getting a book if you can spare a few dollars. Yeah. All right. What do you say we wrap this one up then? Yeah, let's go ahead and wrap it up, guys. We'll... Good luck to anybody hunting Florida this weekend or Hawaii. Good luck and be safe. Absolutely. Please be safe. You cannot pull that shot back once the trigger breaks. So please be careful out there. And thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on Hunting Afternoon Birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. 
See you next week.